0: American politicians are not really helping us sit at a table with deep difference. They can tell us what to be afraid of and why we need walls, right? And they can tell us to be more accepting, but they can't really help us sit at that table with deep difference. And I think that in Jesus, you find what we could call a table politics. Uh, the ability to sit down with your neighbor, to sit there with even your enemy or someone that you deeply disagree with
1: you are listening to our urban voices with dr alphonse Javit, a podcast that presents christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry here is your host hi i'm dr alphonse Javed. over the past year we have talked about the importance of muslim ministry and why you and your church should be reaching out to muslims One of the best times to start reaching out to Muslims is during the month of Ramadan, when many Muslims fast during daylight and break the fast over dinner to gather in the evening, which is called the Iftar party. I challenge you to invite Muslims over to your house for an Iftar dinner or to host one at your church. This year, Ramadan begins March 22nd and ends April 20th. You may feel like you don't know where to start. That's why in January, we are sharing our most actionable episodes about how you can reach out to Muslims in your community this Ramadan with plenty of time to prepare. Remember, perfect love casts out fear. Hello and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today, I'm joined by Matthew K. Mink, author of Christian Hospitality and Muslim Immigration in an Age of Fear. Our topic today focuses on how Christians should respond to Muslim immigration from a biblical perspective. Matthew is a public theologian who explores questions facing Christians serving in politics, culture, and the marketplace. He teaches ethics and public theology at Fuller Theological Seminary. He holds doctoral degrees in systematic theology and Christian ethics. Thank you for joining us today, Matthew.
0: Absolutely. It's good to be with you, Dr. Javed.
1: So, let's start with a simple thing. I think it's important for people to know that we are human beings and we have families and uh, we live in houses and we don't all the time out there. So, Tell us a little bit about your family so people can get to know you on personal level before you talk uh, uh, about your work life.
0: Absolutely. I have a family and we do indeed live in a
1: house. <laughs> That's a beautiful uh, answer. So, uh, so you have a family, you got children or what, what's yeah, going on? Uh,
0: yeah. So my wife's name is Heather and she is a worship director and we have three boys who are ages 11, 9, and seven, so that means that our house is pretty loud, and from time to time things are broken so it's it's a loud, loud, happy house and yeah. um, it's it's been a good summer we're we're traveling a bit and we like to go to different national parks and things during the summer, but
1: yeah, yeah yeah we, well, we so, <laughs> yeah, I totally uh, I can relate with you because I got four children, my two Older ones are five and almost four, so five and three for now. And <laughs> it's the same thing, man, it's 24-7 noise. You got to just handle that. And then my girls are a year and a half, so the twins. So you wow. have like uh, four children. and <laughs> Just imagine that. And now it's summer break. So uh, <laughs> their mom is not liking the summer break. It's the first summer break because the first time my boys are, uh, you know, they just start going last uh, um, year. So, yeah, we're learning new things too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I'd like to start at the beginning to um, give listeners a sense of your background. What was the catalyst for your work on Christian responses to Muslim immigration?
0: Sure, sure. So, I was, um, let's see, I was in college when 9 11 happened, uh, and I was studying political science. And was asking a lot of questions about faith and politics. And then when 9-11 happened, our campus was filled with lots of debates about terrorism and Islam and the war in Afghanistan and Iraq. And so I was asking lots of questions about how Christians should respond to things like terrorism and Muslim immigration. And after I finished college, I went and served in a refugee camp in Eastern Europe. Where you know there were lots of refugees leaving yeah, yeah. Afghanistan and Iraq and served in a UN refugee camp. And there I just spent the entire summer living with Muslim refugees and getting to know them and hear their stories. And that was very impactful for me. And right. just to hear the story of how, how difficult it is to sort of leave one culture and one language and one way of life and, and enter into another. And so that caused me to continue ask questions about Christian ethics and Christian politics and how Christians relate to Muslims and went on to study more uh, about just a biblical response to non-Christian neighbors,
1: right, you know, right.
0: biblical response to immigration debates and things mm-hmm. like that. And ended up studying in the Netherlands, um, which is one of the places where there have been, you know, debates about Muslim immigration for about 30 years. Right. And so, yeah, I, I've just been asking those kinds of questions for about 20 years now and talking with a lot of Christians on the on the right and Christians on the left and trying mm-hmm. to wrestle with what does scripture, you know, what does Jesus call us to in this mm-hmm. particular moment?
1: You know? mm-hmm. So, you know, as I'm, you know, listening to you and you said 20 years uh, you've been it's been 20 years that you've been asking these questions, right? And exploring and looking to the Bible. So, Bible has the, you know, it's been the way it is since the Lord gave us His Word from day one when He started communicating to human being, right? But yet, the situation in our lives are always evolving, and when it comes to Islam, is one of those situations that's it's just just happening. And politicians come and go. And they do their thing, but the Bible remains as it's always been. It's a strong representation. That's why I was, I'm so interested in Christian perspective. Um, and I think everyone can agree that immigration, especially of Muslims, is a very hard-button issue. Um, another guest on the show, uh, James Raymond, actually talks some about how both the responses of the political right and the left Fail to inform Christians on how we should respond to Muslim immigration. Can you explain your view on each of these political responses and why they fail um, and and I just want to also make very clear the answer is not coming from um, you know the politics that's that's mm-hmm. not what I'm asking for, but I just want to know your view
0: Sure, a relatively simple way of thinking about you know, the political right and the political left on issues of immigration is if you think about the analogy of a house and um, those on the right are focused on the building of walls, uh, through high walls around the house to protect the house. So they want, they want security, they want boundaries, they want limits to protect uh, what's going on inside the house. And so it's, first of all, it's just important to note that those on the right And those on the left are correct in some very important ways. So those on the right are absolutely correct that security and protection are important, that the government has a responsibility to keep its citizens safe and to enforce certain limits and boundaries. Right. And those on the left could be said to be advocating for a a door that opens. Right. Mm -hmm. So... One is advocating uh, higher walls. The other is advocating, you know, sort of wider doors that can let people in. And of course, those on the left are very correct that another responsibility of the government is to extend justice and mercy to Mm -hmm. those who are vulnerable. So Mm -hmm. um, that's an important mark of a a good and godly king in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a good and godly king. Uh, does justice to the poor and to the foreigner and to the orphans and the widows. Um, we see that throughout the Old Testament. So those on the right and the on the left are, are making good points in terms of the importance right. of security and the importance of, you know, hospitality to the vulnerable. But the problem is, is that neither one of them gives us a good answer as Christians to what we do once people are inside the home. So we have Muslims living here in the United States and we have Muslims living throughout Europe and neither one gives us as Christians, a thoughtful or helpful answer as to how we live with this deep difference around a table. And I would argue that it's the table that's the most important part of a home. That's what makes a house into a home. And in America today, uh, we really struggle to sit at the table with deep difference. And American politicians are not really helping us sit at a table with deep difference. They can tell us what to be afraid of and why we need walls, right? And they can tell us to be more accepting, but they can't really help us sit at that table with deep difference. And I think that in Jesus, Jesus, Mm -hmm. we find what we could call a table politics, Uh, the ability to sit down with your neighbor, to Mm -hmm. sit down with even your enemy or someone that you deeply disagree with. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge of Muslim immigration is that Muslims present a very different way of life and a different, very different way of thinking and being. And we as Christians need to look to Jesus to how we, um, to how we relate to our Muslim neighbors, because our politicians, as you said, really can't help us with this.
1: Right. So, what is the better Christian response, in your view, then? I heard you. I hear you. Like, okay, uh, Jesus will bring these people and sit down and talk to them, but make that more practical for for me.
0: <laughs> so, I'll I'll turn it back to Jesus. I think what Jesus offers us is a costly hospitality. And I'll I'll give two examples. One is in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he is being arrested, there's lots of shouting and clubs and spears. Some people are fighting. Some people are running away. And that's kind of a good picture of the current debate over Muslim immigration. Just it's sort of chaos and fear and fighting. And amidst all that fear and fighting, Jesus does something very strange. He extends his hand and he heals the person who came to bind him. And I think in that picture, you get, you get this picture of a costly hospitality that even when it's difficult and when it's hard, I'm going to demonstrate love and mercy to someone who, you know, here actually kind of wishes me arm. Uh, the second is right there on the cross. It's there Christ is opening his arms to a world that has rejected him, that has not made space for him. And there he is saying, this is the kind of hospitality I'm purchasing you for. So if we go back to the story of Exodus, in which God, God liberates the people of Israel from slavery, whenever the people of Israel are called to think about immigrants and foreigners in their midst. They're always told, remember that you yourselves were slaves in Egypt. So demonstrate hospitality to the foreigners. And similarly, we as Christians are called to remember that when we were far away from Jesus, Jesus made space for us. And so that's why we make space for others. And so practically speaking, Demonstrating hospitality to our Muslim neighbors is sometimes difficult, it's sometimes scary, it's sometimes costly, it's sometimes frustrating, but that is the kind of hospitality that God showed to the Israelites. Right. Um, right. That's the kind of hospitality that Jesus showed to us.
1: In an article you wrote about this topic, this very topic for La- Lausanne movement, you share some some ways Christians in the Netherlands uh, have been reaching out to Muslim immigrants. Can you tell us, or our audience, uh, more about their approach, how that approach has evolved, and how it helps, uh, it helped to improve tensions, and how it could help us too? So that's that's the idea.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So there, um, in Amsterdam, you have a couple of neighborhoods that are heavily Islamic. And while I was there, I met this church planter uh, and missionary who wanted to plant a church inside this Islamic neighborhood. And his idea was I'm going to show hospitality, I'm going to cook meals and invite Muslims over to eat. And his whole idea quickly crumbled because the Muslims didn't want to come and eat his food. Apparently, they don't really like Dutch food. <laughs> And, um, they didn't really want to receive his charity. Um, and so this church planter was feeling very discouraged. And one day he was walking down the hallway of his apartment building and he smelled this amazing food coming from his neighbor's home and the door was open and he said, hello. And he said, oh, that smells very good. And, and the family invited him in and they were from Ethiopia and it was an amazing meal. And, that he shared with them. And they talked about the story of uh, this food and their grandmother who had taught them how to cook this food. And they were offered this opportunity to share about their own life with him. And he learned to be a guest. And it was in that moment that he completely changed his understanding of missions and church planting in that he learned to be a guest and learn to listen to these immigrants and their stories and learn to listen to um, some of their pain and some of their longing and their loneliness. And what he did was he started to uh, ask different people in the neighborhood to host meals in which they would share about their meal from Nigeria or Morocco or Turkey or wherever else they were from and started to connect neighbors through food. And his church flourished through these meals. And I just thought that was a a really fantastic model and example. And I have to say, there are a lot of older dying churches in Europe Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: right now. And uh, one of the great movements for renewal in these churches uh, is actually demonstrating hospitality to immigrants and to asylum seekers and refugees. It's quite funny, many Christians view Muslim immigration as a threat, as something to be afraid of. Um, But what what we're actually seeing on the ground in Europe is that when Christians see this as an opportunity, they really begin to see it as an opportunity to relearn God's love for them and God's love for their neighbors. And so demonstrating this hospitality to their Muslim immigrants is not simply an act of charity.
1: Right, right
0: it's it's actually a way of them remembering God's love for them. And that, that plays a key role in catalyzing church renewal in Europe.
1: So that would be incarnational gospel before informational or verbal gospel presentation, right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's through eating together. It's, once again, it's that yeah. table politics that we're talking about.
1: That's awesome. So transitioning gears. You have also written about the controversial hijab bans, especially Mm. in France from the perspective that hijabs are actually beneficial for democracy. If Mm. I'm not mistaken, hijabs are banned in schools and for uh, civil servants and mothers are also banned from accompanying their children on school events, why? So the question is, why should Christians care about this? What should our response be?
0: Yes, yes, So that's right. So in France, the French government has made it very difficult for Muslim women to wear a veil or a headscarf in a lot of different public spaces. And the question of why should Christians care? I mean, there's a first of all, there's a very simple reason, which is they are our neighbor, and we're supposed to care about our neighbor. But I think deeper, I think we as Christians understand that certain things are sacred. And uh, we know that certain things are sacred to us. And if the government was trouncing or banning these things that were sacred to us, uh, we would feel that, we would feel that pain, and we would want the government to stop doing that. And in general, it seems to me, and this is part of the reason why I wrote this book, was Christians are very aware when their freedom is being impinged upon by the government. Christians are very good at defending their own religious freedom uh, and their own religious institutions. Um, Christians are not always so good at defending the religious freedom of others. And it seems to me that when Christians defend the freedom of churches, you know, that's a good thing, but that's not very surprising. But when Christians defend the rights of Muslims, Mm -hmm. that's now that's right. surprising, right? That's, that's special. That is something that would cause someone to, to take notice. And, and I think that that's an interesting witness, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'll tell the story. In the Netherlands, there was, there was a terrorist attack and af- after the terrorist attack, a number of mosques were being burned mm-hmm. uh, and the mosques were being defaced around the country. And there was this group of Pentecostal pastors who during this time started to go to their local mosques and they started to guard the mosque
1: Mm -hmm. for
0: for their Muslim neighbors. And they said, we Christians in your neighborhood are going to guard these mosques at night to make sure that no one attacks them. And it's not because we believe in Islam or Muhammad Mm -hmm. or the, Mm -hmm. the Quran. Um, but it's just because you are our neighbors, right? And that was sort of a, a confusing grace that was demonstrated in that moment, and something that those Muslim citizens will never forget. So I just think that's um, that's of note. <laughs>
1: okay. that, yeah. And I think often uh, we forget uh, um, that you know when when we are saved, and the idea is that, okay, now we're going to live for spirit. I, I don't know why most people, that's how they perceive you. Now you're safe. So all you do, need to do is just think about your soul. And my issue is, you know, I, I think my issue with that is like, well, but you're still, and not my issue, that's the issue that we see is the New Testament talking about, that you're still living on this earth. If God wanted, he could have just snap it and you would have been immediately. As soon as you become Christian, you are lifted up and you are in heaven. But he chose for, it It was his choosing. He chose us, but he also chose for us to remain on earth for a period of time. And when we are living on earth, not everyone going to become a Christian. That's another thing that we got to just, just, just remember that, that that's not our choosing again. Our choosing is... Um, is to uh, you know remain in that uh, grace that God has extended and extend that grace to other people, uh, and an extension of that grace sometimes can be selfish, um, more selfish, and uh, um, um, with with the motivation that I'm going to convert the person, and that's the problem with almost every religious uh, organization that the idea behind, like, I'm going to do things to just convert people. But when it's very clear, hey, I'm going to do it because you're my neighbor. I'm a human. God planted me here, put me here. I'm going to just love on you because that's what I've been taught. And because of that, if somebody sees and if they question, and that's, you have heard those stories. I've heard those stories. Where people have asked, like, why do you do that? Um, immigrants who are arriving here and churches are opening their doors and loving on them. Uh, immigrants are asking especially the recent uh, wave of immigrants came from Afghanistan and they were like why why are you doing this we are running from our own people they are the ones we are running from and you are opening your door so they are asking why there's a great opportunity to share but if the it starts with like okay let me do this because I want you to convert then it's just you're not using sword you're just using guilt that's also not a good thing either Uh, so it, it it's difficult. Anyways, I'm, I don't need to, <laughs> I'm interviewing you, uh, so I don't need to be going. <laughs> oh, no, that's the, wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Um, so as we wrap up, do you have any advice for Christians or pastors who want their churches to start outreach or reaching out more to Muslim immigrants, but are facing division or pushback from within their congregation due to the... the yeah political environment, the politics in our country? Yeah, it's,
0: it's difficult. I, I have two different responses. One is theological and one is practical. Sure. So um, when you're having a fighting within your congregation about how to respond to a local mosque or to local Muslims, um, I think the first thing is to go to the cross and say, you know, what has God done for us? And then what does that mean for us? Right. God has demonstrated a a generous hospitality, Mm -hmm. a a costly hospitality. Mm -hmm. Um, He has purchased us for a life of of love and hospitality. That's what what Jesus did. Um, Therefore, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we need to honor that that gift um, Mm -hmm. by demonstrating that gift to others. So I think that the cross has to be at the center of our conversation about what we do um, and say, okay, how are we going to honor this cross in our response? And that, I mean, that was the same for the people of Israel, right? Is God has done this for us in Egypt. Now, how should we respond to the foreigners in our midst? We have to honor what God did. We have to remember that God saved us. So I think that's the first the first theological response. The second is a practical one, which is, um, you know, many pastors and leaders are nervous about interacting with Muslims in their neighborhood because they don't know how, or they don't know how to get started. Um, And they're afraid they might make a mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the important piece of advice here is to emphasize that when I say practice hospitality, Um, practice involves being very bad at something at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you, you will make mistakes, um, and you need to give yourself that kind of permission. The second is to learn to be a guest Mm -hmm. in multiple spaces, Mm -hmm. learn to ask questions, um, Mm -hmm. rather than just always providing answers, right. Or always being the person in control, always being the person who's the host. but learning to be a guest in their space and having some curiosity about their life and their story and what they bring to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are, those are my basic piece of pieces of advice. And then finally, I think just to say to churches that the fact that we have Muslims in our neighborhood is not a crisis. It's a, it is a profound opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is not a problem for us to solve it's an opportunity for us to learn more about Jesus and to share that with others and to experience the spirit's renewal. Um, I think that's just so important.
1: So it's not, it's not crisis. It's an opportunity to engage, right? Yes. That's awesome. So Matthew, if listeners wants to get in touch with you or find your book, what are the easiest ways?
0: well um it's online wherever books are sold so amazon (laughs) you can find the book it's called christian hospitality and muslim immigration uh, in an age of fear and they can um if they're on twitter they can find me there Mm -hmm. Um, i also have a website uh uh but yeah it's um it's been really wonderful, just kind of traveling around the country and having these conversations and hearing the amazing things that God is doing um, in and through churches uh, as they as they open up and and have these kinds of conversations, you know, pastors and imams, mm-hmm. having coffee together, mm-hmm. uh, talking to one another, asking each other's questions. it's um it's really powerful. so i i hope I hope your community will uh, you know, Get more involved in this stuff this is great
1: yeah yeah and uh and we will we'll include your um information in this in in the description of this episode so people can access that easily too so the, for the, for the last thing because we talk about heavy topics people some people agree other disagree some like other uh, never gonna listen to this podcast ever again even though we every week we bring new voices with the different uh, topics but you know you never know what's going to happen but it's heavy sub you know it's it's heavy uh, stuff um so i like to ask you to tell us a joke to lighten our mood so those who disagree they still remember that we still love each other and it's okay to discuss heavy topics right so <laughs> tell tell us a joke
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um I'm trying to think of uh, like as a father, I need to have like a dad joke, right? Yeah, you gotta. Um, I'm sorry, I did not prepare a joke. I did not uh so we'll have to we'll go have to with knock knock jokes. There are so many
1: <laughs> knock knock jokes.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Here's here's one. This is one is from my seven-year-old. Okay. Um knock knock. Who's there? Dwayne. Dwayne who? Dwayne the tub. I'm drowning. (laughs) Okay.
1: I will ask my son to uh, listen to the podcast and give me his review. Good job. Thank you so much for being on the show again. That was uh, Dr. Matthew K. Mink, a public theologian and author from, from Fuller Seminary. And thank you to all our listeners. You are all truly what makes this podcast. If you have learn anything or have been inspired at all today please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast tune in next week for more honest discussions from diverse voices you've been listening to our urban voices with dr alphonse javed which presents christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry please check back for new episodes every week